Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. We're back. It's still April. You're still quarantined. We're still quarantined, but it's great to be here. We're glad to have you here. Got a lot of exciting stuff to talk about tonight. As usual, I am Illegal86, and I am joined by my stalwart compatriots, Nerd Bomber and Tactic. Say hello to the crowd, people. Hello, hello, everybody. Glad hey, how's to be it here. going? I'm doing great. Hopefully, you're doing great, too. We have a lot to discuss tonight. We're, we're entering... This is take two. We had to take one. And we had to entirely start over, which is a rare rare occurrence for us recording a podcast. But we got so into the weeds in the first minute, we decided let's just take a take a breath, start over. So this is take two, and you're never going to hear what take one sounds like, unfortunately. A it was lot mainly of and giggles. yeah, it was mainly me stuck giggling like a little college not college kid, elementary school student. Okay, college kids, college can kids giggle, giggle too. I was Gideon yeah. in those days. Okay, I definitely giggled at least once in college. I mean, I, I'm kind of still in college and I giggle like I probably giggled today at some point when I see like a meme or something. I mean, anyways, this is take two. Uh, sorry, I didn't get to hear take one, but take two is going to be better anyway. So it's fine. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. We have some very exciting news to, to talk about tonight. Kind of one of these episodes where we have like the scoop. We have like a breaking news story that came out just before we started recording and we are able to talk about it because it's something that we that we know about relatively speaking so we're going to be talking about this big nfl trade news that just broke on the day of our recording this we're going to be talking about the update on the nintendo switch uh we know a lot of you out there have been wanting it and you can't get it and i'm one of those people and we're going to give you an update on nintendo hopefully bumping up their supply and then, of course, we're going to be breaking down some of the trailers that we've gotten in the past week uh, regarding Peacock, which is NBC's and Universal's new streaming service that's supposed to launch, I believe, sometime in 2020. And they are kind of teasing a lot of new original content, some of it throwback, some of it otherwise, that we can kind of break down based on these 30 second or so trailers. So first things first. The big NFL news uh, just ahead of the draft, which I believe is later this week. I actually don't really keep tabs on the draft. But the big news today, of course, is that Gronk, and that's Rob Gronkowski, although I feel like I don't need to clarify that, is coming out of retirement. And not only is he coming out of retirement, the Patriots, who apparently still own the rights to him or whatever, have traded him to the Buccaneers. And I can give you the exact specs of the deal because I have a tab open in my web browser. Essentially... The Patriots are dealing Gronkowski to the Buccaneers, and also they're dealing them the Buccaneers a seventh round pick, and in return they get a fourth round pick. So there's a lot to discuss here. Gronk's been out of football, I believe, for two years. It's, Has it already it's been two least, years? I think it's at least two years. It probably says somewhere in this article. Okay, he retired from football 13 months ago, so I was wrong just over a year. <laughs> so he basically didn't play in last season. And since then, we've seen Gronk in a lot of contexts, he was involved in the WWE at one point. I don't know anything about that. I just know it's true. He was on New Year's Rockin' Eve or something with Steve Harvey and like made oh, yeah, fun of Steve Harvey. Oh yeah, because he like crushed the Lego model of Steve Harvey and almost yeah. made Steve Harvey cry. <laughs> exactly. That's my most recent touch point with Gronk is he crushed Steve Harvey's Lego head and it was really funny, honestly. I thought it was a really good bit. But the, the thing that a lot of people are talking about is... At the time when I saw Gronk at that New Year's Eve thing, I think in general when people see him now, they notice that he has uh, he's lost a lot of weight. He wasn't really in football shape the last time I saw him. Um, but his agent is apparently saying uh, his weight's back up to 260. He passed his physical with the Buccaneers already, so that, that hurdle is cleared. And essentially, he's going to be reuniting with Tom Brady. So I want to get your guys' thoughts on this, because obviously this is 
a big deal. And I was talking to Nerdbomber about this earlier, and I described it as Andrew Luck caliber NFL news. We remember last year, Andrew Luck retired, announced his retirement just before the season started. Well, this isn't quite the same in terms of like the timeline. It's similar in that a player that we thought was kind of off the board or accounted for in some way is now making a shift in a big way that's going to affect at least the NFC, probably the entire NFL. So thoughts on this, Nerdbomber, are you upset? Are you happy for him? Are you confused? Um, Break it down for us. I'm not super upset per se. So first of all, like I don't like Tom Brady. I think I've made that very clear. If anyone has listened to any of our other football-centric podcasts over the last few years, I just do not like Tom Brady, partially stemming from the fact that I don't really like the the whole little dynasty that he built with Bill Belichick. I don't think either of them are totally on the up and up. I know that Brady breaking away from New England in the first place was to try to show that he could win without Belichick. Um, I I do think it's really interesting, though, because I didn't honestly think Gronk was going to stay out of the game for very long. I thought maybe he was taking a brief respite to kind of just gather himself, have some fun. I mean, can you imagine working under Bill Belichick? Like The Patriots seem like they're a very highly regimented and strict locker room. And I feel like for someone who has as big of a personality as Rob Gronkowski, even if you want to win and you're succeeding, being pushed to that limit all the time can't possibly be fun, especially when you're already raking in millions, you have Super Bowls under your belt. Like you probably just want to have fun at this point. So I think I wasn't super surprised because I had a feeling when I saw Brady leave that maybe this would be his re-entry into the league. I was surprised that New England agreed to trade him, though. I thought that New England and Bill Belichick would be like, no, you bailed on us when you retired. We're not going to let you be traded to another team to go reunite with Brady. Um, I do also think it has some interesting dynamics on the league as a whole because now, I mean, I've already heard some rumblings that the Bucks are looking to move O.J. Howard. And O.J. Howard is still fairly young, cost-controlled, and has a fifth-year option still available. And I think if they move him because now they have Gronk, which really Gronk takes over the tight end position no matter what team he is, there's usually a complementary tight end to go with him. But O.J. Howard is not your complementary tight end. He is one of those players that should probably be your number one tight end. So them moving him out will probably happen and I think that could lead to bigger shakeups because I've seen various different teams one of the teams that I do keep seeing uh kind of linked to him is the Buffalo Bills because as you've seen they've made a lot of moves this offseason already getting Stefan Diggs and the one position in the offense that they're still kind of weak at besides running back is the tight end position like they do have the young Dawson Knox but he hasn't been super great like he can't seem to catch all of the balls that are thrown at him and Josh Allen has a cannon. And I think if they somehow make a deal for OJ Howard, that would be a huge like dynamic shift in the AFC. Um, so, so you, you, you said a lot there and I think a lot of it was right. I mean, I think in terms of, cause you're right that Gronk often has a complimentary tight end. And I think Cameron Brait would fit that role perfectly. Cameron Brait is also a tight end on the Buccaneers currently. But if you look at the Buccaneers roster now, I mean, you have you have Gronk coming back, 31 years old. Um, and by the way, I think New England pushed the contract. He, he had one year and $9 million on his current contract with the Patriots. I think they're absolved of that now. I don't know that for a fact. But I actually think New England made out pretty good in this deal because he wasn't going to, Gronk wasn't going to play unless it was for the for the Buccaneers. He said Tampa Bay was the only team he was willing to play to end, end his retirement to play for, according to Adam Schefter. So they wanted to get him off the books. They can get a... Uh, 
a fourth round pick in uh, in return. I mean, the Patriots are probably tickled pink about that aspect of it. They probably wish that he would come back and play for them, but that's a whole nother uh, can of worms. But if you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster right now on the offensive side of the ball, you have Tom Brady, you have now Gronkowski, you have Mike Evans, you have Chris Godwin, uh, Cameron Bray, as I mentioned before. Your running back position could use showing up. You have Peyton Barber, and I think Ronald Jones is your number two there. But the skill positions there are ridiculous. And we've seen, you know, I don't want to throw shade at Jameis Winston. I think he's a super entertaining football player. But if you bring Tom Brady into that, and if Tom Brady hasn't lost a step, as everyone's saying, and if he still has it, I mean, we've seen Fitzpatrick light it up with this offense. Uh, we've seen Winston light it up with this offense and throw 100 interceptions. I mean, Bruce Arians is definitely one of the better offensive minds in the NFL. So if they can maintain the offensive production they saw just last season and adding Brady and Gronk to that equation... I mean, they're it's scary to think about. It, it's scary to think about, if, especially if you're in the NFC, NFC South. I mean, this is, is it the South that they're, I think it's the South. It's nightmare territory. If you're the Saints, uh, Panthers, or Falcons, I believe, round out that division, it's, it's nightmare territory. Because I mean, Jamie Swinson was breaking records, both positively and negatively. Like if you take away all of those crazy implosions that he had, and just looked at how many passing yards and passing touchdowns he had last season. That team right. should have gone a lot farther than they did. And now, like you said, if Tom Brady didn't lose a step, man, that could be pretty scary. And part of the reason why we saw Tom Brady lose a step was because he was under pressure. And if that offensive line can protect him and he just has all day to stand back there and look around and throw the ball, it's going to be a scary offense. Not to mention, yeah. even if Gronk doesn't come back at 100%, like, even though he's 31 and he looked skinnier the last few times we've seen him in the public eye, man, I would still take a 50% level Gronk over a lot of the tight ends in this league. Well, we, we, we know he has it, right? I mean, we know that he has the ability, especially when paired with Brady, to be absolutely phenomenal. One of the best tight ends that the game's ever seen. So, yeah, when, when you look at that, like you said, I, I think Tampa Bay is going to I wouldn't be surprised if in the draft later later on this week they look to shore up the offensive line position because now clearly the passing game is going to be <laughs> like the centerpiece of their team. Uh, so you want to protect Brady. And, you know, I think what's important with Brady is he's a lot more careful with the ball than Winston is, obviously. It's going to be interesting to see how much the wildness of Winston's play was what got them so much success last year. And, and maybe maybe that was a key part of it. And while it comes with interceptions, maybe it also came with the great results that they saw but i think you're also going to have to look a lot at tom brady's deep ball and not just in respect to gronk but with respect to mike evans and chris godwin who are both speed speed demons and deep threats i don't know how far tom brady can throw the ball and we've seen like peyton manning's deep ball dropped off when he got older so that's something that we're gonna have to keep an eye on so i have two points that i that i want to make do you think that there's that tampa bay might still be missing something and what I mean by that is they've still yet to recruit the Patriots equipment staff. That's something that they can look into. And then the other side of it is holistically, what is the occurrence of players retiring and then going back into the league? And do you think we're going to see an uptick in this? Assumedly, assuming that Gronkowski has success after returning. I, you know, I honestly have no idea with regards to that second question i i would it i don't think it's common 
I, I don't I think you could probably count on your hands the number of times it's been done. Like I think Brett Favre technically did it at one point, but Brett Favre also like t- retired and unretired so many times that it didn't even have any meaning anymore. I I'm not sure you're going to see more of it. I mean, obviously it's going to depend on how it goes, but I also think a lot of players are, well, a lot of players are going to start getting out early and realizing that they were beating the crap out of their bodies and they have their money and they should just, you know, live out the rest of their days, be happy with their money. I, I, you know, another case to watch, and we talked about Andrew Luck at the top of this, but like there are already whispers and there have been whispers since he retired about him coming back. And those whispers probably won't go away for a while. But he had the absolute crap beat out of him. And when we talked about we talked about it, uh, again, many episodes ago, you know, he had a lacerated kidney. He had all kinds of stuff happen to him. So I think the players that are getting out early are getting out for that reason. And, and I don't know if end, they'd necessarily come back because I feel like Gronk, like, unless you're a star and, and you're in one of the positions that are very rare to have such a prolific talent. So, like, quarterback is one of them. But also, the tight end position really doesn't have a lot of huge superstars like Gronk was. I mean, running right. backs are relatively expendable. I mean, there are some great running backs out there, but usually you see them cycle through within like five years. The next young running back is drafted and takes over the position. And even with wide receivers, I mean, obviously we saw the downfall of Antonio Brown for off-field antics and crazy stuff, but the number one stars in the league, like Julio Jones, while he's still a great wide receiver, when you talk about the top receivers in the league, you don't really mention him anymore. You're talking about Mike Thomas and Mike Evans. So I think the tight end position left Gronk in a very unique position to come back because there aren't really prolific superstars at that position. Well, that 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 shows up more than ever in when you look like one of the things I remember most about the fantasy football season last year is that tight end was so scarce and and it's going to continue to be scarce And, and like for that reason alone, Gronk coming back shakes up the tight end market considerably. It shakes up Tom Brady's value shakes up the entire Tampa Bay offense's value in terms of fantasy. But one thing I think we need to talk about here too is, is what the implication is because tactic, you jokingly mentioned, you know, when is the Patriot Patriots equipment staff going to go to the Tampa Bay? I've seen jokes about when is Belichick going to announce that he's going to be coaching for Tampa Bay? Like what does this say about the quote unquote Patriot way, which we've heard about so many times, what does it say that, you know, Gronk had a great situation. He had a potentially t- championship caliber team in the Patriots. I mean, how far, how deep did they go last year? You know, like they made it into the playoffs last year. Like he had this team with Brady and he said, no, I'm retiring. And then Brady moved to Tampa Bay and Gronk said, well, hey, I'm back in. You know, did he retire because he just couldn't handle the Patriot way? And he couldn't handle certain things about the organization that he thinks he's going to have an easier time with in, in Tampa Bay. I, I don't think this speaks well to the Patriots organization and like I've talked to a Patriots fan about it one of the few Patriots fans that I know and what he essentially told me was he feels great about the value they got from the trade which is good but he feels like Gronk he feels like it was a cheap move basically and I can totally understand that perspective he feels like Gronk you know chickened out on them and the second he saw he could get back into the game with a quarterback that he knows he has a connection with and a different team he just said all right I'm going to do that so I think that adds an interesting element to all of this. You know, does he have beef with the Patriots that we don't know about or that we do know about and has been, you know, undersold? Well, I mean, if you look at the history of the Patriots, and I know he has the connection with Tom Brady, but even Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, after after a certain number of years, they started having a, a pretty contentious relationship. 
And especially when Belichick wanted to move on from Brady and upper, I think it was Belichick or was it upper management? Someone wanted to move on from Brady and could have been McDaniels. They did not basically want to. And that's why Jimmy Garoppolo is in San Francisco, which I thought was kind of ironic because Tom Brady wanted to go there. And that's just why, why do you hate Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady? Why do you want to steal a thunder? Um, But I think that entire team was built on the shoulders of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And I don't know if any of the other key players really mattered all that much. I feel like if you're in that locker room, you feel like you're expendable unless you are Bill Belichick or Tom Brady. And if you're a huge personality and a huge ego like Gronk is, that can't feel good. And especially being driven as hard as the Patriots are with the Patriot way, like and all of the crazy scandals surrounding all of the different quote unquote cheating things that were happening. Like you want to maybe prove that you can win somewhere else. And if teams can cut you with no repercussions, what loyalty do you really have to a team? Like maybe he wanted to retire just so that he could throw his hat in with another team and prove that he can win without the Patriot Cheatriot way. I do have to say, though, I'd like to check the pulse on all of our Patriots listeners. Like, are you guys okay? I feel like this is probably like really hitting you guys hard. Don't really have a quarterback lined up. I mean, if you're Julian Edelman, you must be down in the dumps right now. I refuse to believe that the Patriots will be anything other than fine, you know, until they start actually losing, because I've felt that way about the Patriots before, and I, I've proven that or it's, they've proven that that's not true. So, like, when you say that, you know, it's really Belichick and Brady and no one else, like, I, I understand that opinion, but at the same time, I think there are players in that locker room that have been around for a while that they do value. In terms of, like, skill positions... Absolutely not. We've seen them throw away running backs at the drop of a hat. We've seen them throw away wide receivers at the drop of the hat. There's kind of a revolving door there. But like, I think especially on the defensive side of the ball, you might find that they have some people that they've kept around for a while. Now, as far as the Patriot way goes, like what I was implying had wasn't as much about like the whole, you just called it the cheat treat way and like how they play things like under the table. I was more talking about the fact that I imagine they probably run a pretty tight ship. And if you're a guy like Rob Gronkowski, that attitude might not gel very well with your personality based on what i know about gronk so you know maybe he's just looking to like go to florida and party i really don't know i it's interesting you know it all happened so fast this deal happened so quickly and right when it was announced it was basically done and you wonder what happened behind the scenes did brady come to gronk and say i need you man or did gronk go to brady and say i want back in or did gronk go to like belichick or Kraft and say look this is how i feel and like I'll make sure I get you good value, but blah, blah, blah. It's, there's a lot that's not known. And I'm, I'm sure over the next few days, we'll learn a lot more about how it went down, but it's very, very interesting. Tactic. I feel like you haven't weighed in a whole lot on this. Any, anything more to add before we move on? Nope. I, I weighed in my points. I'm good. You just wanted to throw in that jab about the equipment staff, Absolutely. which is well-founded. Um, we'll see in the coming days, whether Belichick announces that he's taking his talents to Tampa Bay but until then, we want to know how you feel about this trade. You know, again, to me, it's it's very splashy and you probably feel some sort of way about it, whether or not you're a Patriots fan. So we want to know how you feel. Reach out to us on the social meds. Uh, we are all there at OW Illegal 86, at OW Tactic, at OW Nerd Bomber. Fair warning, none of us are Patriots fans and we, we, we uh, kind of wear that on our sleeves, so to speak. But we're happy to dialogue about Gronk's future about the move coming out of retirement and just how this is going to affect the season next year should it happen 
so yeah yeah reach out to us and uh for now we'll move on uh to talk about the nintendo switch and this is going to involve me getting on a soapbox a little bit but before i do that uh, let's talk about the actual news which is that nintendo i think this was also today uh the 21st of april when we're recording this they essentially announced that they are trying to boost output of switch units uh in response to the massively growing demand for the console under the current conditions both based on the pandemic and based on you know what happened with animal crossing which we've talked about a few times now the number itself that they're planning to produce more of it didn't wow me if i'm being honest so they produced 20 million consoles in 2019 which is a large number without a doubt they want to produce 10 percent more units of the switch in 2020 now based on the demand that i have observed firsthand that's not going to be enough <laughs> i i mean i'm sure they're backed up against the wall by their suppliers and, and so on and so forth but to announce this and then to only say 10 percent, i have some strong feelings about that but yeah essentially they are they're going to their suppliers and they're they're requesting some of some of the orders requests are up to 50 percent larger than the expected output according to reports but they're saying 10% more consoles. So obviously it's a move that makes sense from a business standpoint because the Switches are so much in demand right now. But we'll talk about why that is. But first, over to you guys. I mean, does 10% impress you? Does, do you think 10% is enough? So 10% feels right to me based on what the stores are willing to stock their shelves. They're not going to flood their shelves because just because there's a surge now, they don't want to have excess inventory later. So that to me feels right. It feels like an appropriate response to accommodate the public and get more out there while not dealing with a financial burden of excess inventory. I suppose the inventory concerns are fair. I mean, it's it sounds like, and what, the way you've just characterized it, I don't think you're wrong, is that in a pandemic situation, if I was in charge of supply chain management, I would overreact. <laughs> like, this could just be a measured reaction to the demand, the increase in demand that they're seeing. And, you know, 50% would be too much. I think it should be like 20%, but I also don't know anything about like, I, I don't know how bad the demand actually is. I'm just saying what I've observed from a firsthand standpoint, I'm sure the Nintendo folks know a lot better. I think uh, too, the current demand is really inflated. So I, I don't remember if we talked about this last week. I know you had discussed this, but one of the reasons why the inventory on Nintendo switches is basically completely sold out everywhere on every single retailer online and physical is because there is a bot that somebody made and then distributed for free that basically yep. enables people to as soon as switches get back in inventory on an online retailer the bot will buy multiple switches for people and then those people will go and resell them and honestly let's just call it what it is these people are nintendo switch scalpers resellers i feel I like is a little bit too kind they are jacking up the prices of these consoles, knowing that we're in a pandemic situation to sometimes double the price of what the console actually costs if you just were able to get it yourself. They're depriving people of the chance to buy it because they're like, I mean, I'm, I've seen pictures on Twitter and stuff of people getting a shipment of 12, 15 switches that then they go on posts online for like $600, which is insane to me. And unless yeah. they can find a way to stop the bot problem... I don't think it matters how many more switches they produce because the bots at this at the current rate that people are buying switches for resale, I think it doesn't matter how many more they put in inventory circulation, they're going to get sold out by resellers. And until they can stop that problem, it doesn't matter how many more switches they produce. So I'm, if you go ahead, I'm going to give my public service announcement. If you heard that and said, wow, there's a free bot. 
available that I can use. Don't don't be those people. Um, don't do it for resale. Also, don't do it to try to get yourself a switch because you don't know what the bot is doing with your credit card information. And they could be not maybe not today, but a couple weeks from now or a month from now, they'll they'll resell your credit card number to someone to use it, and you'll be in all sorts of other issues. So don't 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 mess with the bots. I'll go one step further than that. Um, you know, maybe this isn't the nicest thing to say, but if you're listening to this podcast and you're one of these people, I want to very publicly and in no uncertain terms say screw you <laughs> because I've been trying for quite a while now to get a switch. Uh, I've actually signed up. I've reached the point where I've signed up for email alerts that will basically email me as soon as uh, switches are back in stock. I haven't gotten any hits on those emails yet, so I don't actually know if they're working, but that's besides the point. The point is uh, I've been looking on Facebook Marketplace. I've been seeing a mysterious number of switches pop up that are brand new for $600. And I haven't done this, but I have legitimately thought about you know, Facebook messaging one of these people and being like, hey, I don't want to buy this. I just want to say screw you because <laughs> like it makes me it makes me furious. Like I, I, I don't know how else to put it or if there's or if there is a nice way to put it. Uh, but it makes me really mad. And, and I think you're right that the, that the demand might be inflated in that way. And I think there's, there's also going to be a, an economic factor that comes into play in terms of people probably right now more than ever are saying I have this $1,200 stimulus check from the government. I want to spend this on something fun that I'll get a lot of use of use out of during my quarantine. And the switch seems like a perfect thing. And they go to buy one and realize they can't. And then they spend that money on something else that's available. And so the demand for the switch goes down. So, so the market for it is probably due to go down a little bit in the next few weeks. And especially when the quarantine ends, it'll all get better, I would assume. But at the same time, this does raise the interesting question of, when the quarantine ends, it doesn't mean the bot situation is necessarily going to end, at least not at the same time. So it's going to be interesting to see how that develops. And 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 something that you said, I think you said it, Nerd Bomber. If you're Nintendo, how do you stop these these resellers? I mean, I mean the simple solution legal. is if Nintendo would, because they, I don't think they sell directly through their website. I think it's all they link on their they website don't. to different retailers, and those <laughs> retailers me, don't. <laughs> don't do like they don't do the capture codes or anything like that to ensure that real people are purchasing. Because for the retailer, you don't care who's buying it. You don't care right. that a reseller is buying fifteen. You just care that somebody bought fifteen, and um, immediately well, so the, that stock the- is taken off your hands. But if Nintendo sold them direct through your website and put some kind of human verification. I mean, I'm sure scalpers would go on there and buy a bunch, but it would still be slower. I mean, one thing I will say is that I'm pretty sure a lot of places, I don't know a lot of places, but I know there are places that, because I was reading about this, I know there are some places that do have like one per customer limits. But look, if these people are willing to go and get a bot to do it for them, they're sure as heck willing to make fake email accounts and fake personal information they can use to buy, you know, like you said, 12 or 15. So, I mean, these people are crafty. These people are are devious enough to probably get around a lot of the roadblocks that Nintendo or these retailers would throw up. But at the same time, throw them up because, like, I am a per- I'm just a person who's here who has a genuine interest in buying one for, you know, the MSRP. And I can't. And that I'm just that sucks. How many of these inflated price systems they're actually selling because i know a they're lot selling of people them. i guarantee you they're selling them but like because people are impatient 
if it's a collector's edition version of the Switch, like the Animal Crossing one or the Pokemon Nintendo Switch Lite or something like that, or like a very limited edition, I could understand people buying a jacked up price because that's just how collector's items goes. But like, are people really willing to spend double the MSRP on a Switch? I mean, especially in such economic uncertain times as we're in now, like, some people, I, I know like even you, the reason why you're in this position now is because up until now when you've been stuck at home, you were looking at that price tag of $300 and going like, oh, you know, that's a that little bit too, too pricey. Yeah, but people yeah. got that stimulus money now. Right, exactly. but I mean, you would think a lot of people would need that to actually go towards rent and food and whatnot. So like, nah. are, are a lot of people actually buying these $600 switches? And Why? Because at that point, like, I understand the allure of Mario and the Nintendo properties and, like, Animal Crossing is all the rage and you you probably have FOMO and stuff, but you could get an Xbox or a PlayStation 4 for, like, $150 to $200 and play just as many games and not pay $600. Like, we we are not seeing a run on those consoles. So I'm a little confused, honestly. I'm a little confused. Well, so I I, I will say, I think we are, like, so I was at Walmart today. Shout out to Walmart, not a sponsor. And I actually, you know, just basically on a whim because I knew it wasn't going to work. I went to the electronics section to see if there were Nintendo Switches. There weren't, obviously. I also went to the Xbox aisle and the PlayStation 4 aisle. And guess what? There were no PlayStation 4s and there were no Xboxes. Really? But I mean, I, you can I, buy them online at least. I think, I, I think so. I think you're right. But I do think, I think that they are also experiencing shortages of some kind. They're probably not of the same magnitude. And I think the magnitude of the switch shortage is probably magnified by things like Animal Crossing. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it has anything to do with people looking for a gaming system or toilet paper going back to that one. People holistically are panic buying everything i had the hardest time because it's it's garden season now so i'm i'm my greenhouse box that i built a couple weeks back i think it i didn't i'm pretty sure i killed my seeds but um i'm trying to buy more seeds and you can't find seeds anywhere everyone's sold out i mean it's everything everyone's just panic buying everything and i and i don't know why or, or, I don't know if the switch is is panic buying necessarily. I, I I think I think you are seeing people who are still buying at these prices because they are just impatient. I think there are probably a lot of people who wanted switches before the pandemic started, like me, and held off because of the price point. And now their desire has reached fever pitch just because now they're in a quarantine and they want it even more. Um, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting psychological problem, I guess. You know. I'd be interested to know. I feel like a lot of our listeners probably already have a switch or aren't. I, I don't know. I could be totally off base with that. But is there anybody out there who actually like, would you be willing to spend double the MSRP at this moment in time just to get a switch knowing that we'll probably be in our houses for another, what, probably two, three weeks at most or at least like, would you pay that much money extra to get a switch now? I'm I just mean, curious. if they had. If they already have it, I'm sure they would probably say no. If they well, don't, right. I'm have saying it, the ones that don't I, already have it. Like, would you pay that much money? Because I know your answer is no. Otherwise, you would have already. My answer it. is no. Right, and and, and like like you tactic you mentioned getting the bot and like my concerns about getting the bot aren't just the fact that they might steal your data, like you said. It's also like it's a matter of principle of like I don't want to join this group. I don't want to be one of these people because 
I hate them right now. <laughs> like, why would I? Why would I want to be someone that I hate? I'm kind of in the camp with with because of the hatred because it's it's annoying. It's frustrating. Of there needs to be like a Facebook marketplace or eBay vigilante where there's an anonymous account that just goes around saying you're a horrible person. It'd be great, right? Because because again, it's there's no law against what these people are doing. It's legal, at least as far as I know. And Nintendo is probably saying we can't do much to stop them because it's legal. But at the same time, I think we've talked about this before with like, yeah, you mentioned the toilet paper hoarding and like people hoarding hand sanitizer. Like it's not about laws. It's about like, just don't be a dick. Like I, I don't even know how else to say it. And I, these people are, are being dicks. I would throw that out there. If you're listening to this and you're doing that, you're, you're a dick. I'm willing to say that publicly. So with that in mind, we will take our break now. Uh, but before we do, uh, I want to shout out our good friend and patreon producer mr ben checkness uh, you've heard ben's name many times by now if you have listened to the show for more than a few episodes because we shout his name out every episode because ben is a patreon producer he supports us at our highest level of patreon support which is the night level and as a result he gets a producer shout out in every episode he gets input into our game segment at the end of every episode i know nerd bomber is super excited about the one she's doing today i don't know much about what it is i just know she's excited he also gets uh, the occasional guest spot. I think he's due for another one coming up pretty soon. And he gets access to the monthly secret segment and vlog, of course. Now, if you are not quite as cool as Ben, Ben's pretty cool. So that makes sense. Uh, you can support us at the Squire level of support, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And then, of course, there is also the page level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So if you are interested in giving back and supporting what we do, we would super appreciate it. Uh, we work very hard to do this, and we hope you are enjoying listening to it. And if you are, you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast for more of the details. Thanks again to Ben, and we will now take a short break and talk about Peacock when we come back. Can't help but Tim from Yard Party. You're listening to the Chains of Blind off our debut album, In Search of an Exit. If you like what you hear, you can check us out on all major streaming platforms and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Yard Party Official. Okay, welcome back. Let's talk about Peacock. So, actually, Peacock, and I, I've made a mistake before, uh, Peacock is available to select Comcast customers right now. So, it's basically in beta testing. Um, they have some children's programming as well as some episodes of Jimmy Fallon and Seth Meyers. But they are also releasing trailers for a few of their original series. And uh, they all currently lack release dates, I should note that. The company's stated goal is sometime in July 2020, but who knows anymore because of, you know, COVID-19. But what we let's talk about, I have nine trailers in front of me. I think that's all we've seen so far. So uh, I can name them all, and then we can kind of talk about which ones our favorites are or anything. We have Intelligence... Uh, we have Angeline. We have Brave New World, uh, based on the book, of course. Uh, we have The Capture. Uh, we have Punky Brewster, which is coming back, I guess. Uh, and then, of course, we have the Saved by the Bell reboot, which is probably called something that I can't, don't have the title of it in front of me right now. Uh, Psych 2, Lassie Come Home, which is a psych movie. And uh, Madagascar, A Little Wild. And then a AP Bio is also coming back on Peacock. Uh, I think that's all of them. So, yeah, we've all watched all these trailers. The one that I want to call attention to, I think being the most interesting looking one, is the capture. Uh, so the capture is 
has kind of a crime drama looking feel to it maybe even like a detective thriller basically uh this guy is accused of accused of murder essentially and he's caught on cctv and it basically looks like he did it and he's insisting that he didn't do it and uh this is a 30 second trailer so there's not a whole lot else to work with besides that premise but you got ron perlman involved uh you got callum turner who i actually kind of like who is a relatively unknown actor and you have basically a pretty cool looking pretty dark looking crime drama it is a british drama i don't know if that will affect people's opinions the other way either way and it's also worth noting that this one has already aired on the bbc last year (laughs) but i don't get bbc so i haven't seen it yet what about you guys which one stuck out to you i haven't watched saved by the bell or punky brewster so i had no connection to those and if anything like i think those were geared towards a generation that is not mine but maybe you feel different so for me i couldn't be more underwhelmed with that list and i don't mean to be a debbie downer but i i'm i'm always skeptical with reboots saved by the bell seemed interesting because there was it seemed like there was a, a fair share of basically your mom jokes in there in the trailer which i got a kick yeah. out of and i and i think that would be entertaining in itself but very quickly i feel like the kick uh throwbacks to the original show is going to run its course and they're going to run out of content and it's not going to be as good anymore i saw the same thing happen with full house in my opinion it was it was fun and fine in the first petered out season or so but then it just was like all right well you used all the good content up and now you're just kind of running rampant um been in your wheels yeah and then psych i i felt like it was like a a bad detective version of scrub so i just never got into that um i'm kind of in the I, same camp as you i've never where, watched psych but i feel like i would like it i know i like Dulé hill so that, like i'm not willing to i'm not gonna crap on that one just because i don't have a whole lot of a whole lot of experience when that with it. show was in its heyday i was really into monk and i love if i was gonna watch monk a detective show that was my my go-to choice so i just yeah always said nah forget psych that's too meh and so like i said underwhelmed i i agree that the show that you had pointed out does look like it could keep you on the edge of your seat it's something original there was also that i'm drawing a blank on the name with the the blonde where she wants to put herself on a billboard just angeline angeline, angeline. that angeline. looked that looked uh, that looked interesting. interesting and i think i think it could be really really good but it can also be a train wreck and I'd i like to emmy s- rossum though like she left shameless to pursue other projects and if she left to go do this like you have to think yeah, it would be good i right? have to say i'm absolutely intrigued and probably the most excited for that one well so that that one's interesting first of all i love martin freeman and he's in that but when I watched the trailer for that one, I had no information. And when you watch the trailer, you're like, okay, so it's a show about this lady's boobs. Like it, the whole trailer for whatever it is, like 60 or 30 seconds, it's like boobs, 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 boobs. Emmy Rossum saying a sentence, Martin Freeman saying a sentence, a lot of boobs. And I was just like, wow. And I was like, this is a ridiculous looking show. And then I looked it up and it's based on a real person. It's like based on true events. Did you guys yeah, know that? I think half of the trailer props to Emmy Rossum because and the costume team because it was almost seamless. A lot of that trailer was actually footage of the real life person from back in the day. And yeah. it was very difficult to tell. Like Emmy Rossum looked very similar. And considering like if you take all of the heavy makeup and the wig and the crazy outfits off, Emmy Rossum does not look that like that at all. So no. good job on the costume team there. It's a super interesting, like, I I liked the tease in terms of, like, right away they said, 
or she's the trailer starts with her saying just put me on a billboard and the guy is asking what company are you whatever she's like no company just me just put me on a billboard and he's like no one's ever done that and she's like well why don't we try it or something like that and that alone is an interesting enough premise and and then to find out that it really happened makes it even more interesting so yeah i I could definitely get on board with that one I, i think we're agreeing that the reboots themselves like if you ask me what NBC Universal reboot you'd want to see, like I would not say any of the shows that they picked, but again, it's because they didn't, they're not tailored to my generation. I feel like they're, they're for the generation that's just before us, but none of them seemed particularly like the Punky Brewster one seemed as tired as, as what you were describing with Saved by the Bell. I don't know. Nerbomber, do you, how, how do you feel generally? Pretty much the same thing. Like I think they'll be good for a season where you get the nostalgia and then after that it'll kind of taper off. I actually I was kind of intrigued by intelligence just because I, I kinda like David Schwimmer and his comedy. And it's it been seemed, a while for him. It seemed but. a little like immature humor, but I could maybe get on board and see where that would go. Um so between that, I think it was that and Brave New World also. Like I really liked Brave New World as a novel. That it's probably one of my favorite novels that I was forced to read in high school. And it's something that I think still, like, reading it as an adult now, I still really enjoy that book. I think it's a really interesting social commentary. And so seeing that put on a television show, because I think they made a movie about it, but I don't know if they made a television show before. So seeing a TV adaptation and seeing how they'll be able to flesh out the world will be really interesting. Because I think with television, you obviously have more time to delve into the characters and delve into the world building, as we've seen with stuff like Game of Thrones. I think the format of TV will be a really interesting portrayal of the classic Brave New World. So I'm on board. I I can't wait to see that. That one's interesting. I read Brave New World as well. I think I also had to read it for school. But like you said, I I loved it too. And in terms of like dystopian novels that should be TV shows, like that's kind of a no brainer. It makes perfect sense. I I like the, this is going to sound weird. I like the look of Alden Ehrenreich. I did not care for him too much. And so I didn't think he was bad as everyone thought he was, but I thought he was okay. I didn't think he was amazing. He's got a great look though. And, and I think the sh- that show has a lot of potential, as you said. How about that scene, by the way, where they take the contact out and there's a hair on it? <sighs> oh yeah. It, it's so, shudder. it like makes you super grossed out. And if that's the way the yeah. technology is moving in the future, like, please no, please no. We I think a lot that. of that show is going to be designed. I don't remember much about Brave New World because I haven't read it in many years, but I have a feeling a lot of that show is going to make you uncomfortable watching it. And like, I think the trailer also kind of shows that a little bit. I mean, the book is designed to make you uncomfortable with yeah. how complacent we are in terms of like, well, just distracting ourselves basically and getting right. away from real issues and caring about things. So hard to do that without switches though. It's too true. To go back to intelligence, like I think the interesting thing about that too is that I don't think I'm the only one. In fact, I think most people have not seen David Schwimmer in like literally anything else besides Friends. So like to see him be someone who's not Ross Geller and like the character that we're that he's showing here is not Ross Geller. Like seems like he might not see, be the smartest guy. Like he said, he seems like he's going for lowbrow humor. So it's going to be. He was in Madagascar, wasn't when- he? The giraffe. Yeah, that doesn't count. When Come he on. first walked and they showed him all stoic walking down the hallway, I was actually really excited for him to take on a serious role. And then when he started <laughs> jumping it. tables, I was like, oh, okay, I'm not into this anymore. It just, as he aged, he would just, he would fit into a serious role, I think, really, really well. And it's just, right. it disappoints me for him to just fall back to, I guess, old habits. Yeah, it's... It- 
I kind of agree with you on that. Like, I don't remember having that explicit thought in terms of like, oh, I'd love to see him in a serious role when the trailer, because like you said, it started and there was a little bit of misdirection where it seemed like it was going to be serious and then it got goofy. And it will be interesting to see him in a serious role. I think just the role that he's in as, as a comedic role is also going to be a big change, but an even bigger change would have been even cooler probably, which would have been, like you said, him being some very stoic, you know, FBI agent or NSA agent, whatever they are. I wonder yeah, if we that, won't that see that evolve, though, because a lot of these shows have like 30 to 40 second clips, right? In all of these trailers that we saw, they weren't yeah. very lengthy. And I wonder, it. they all seemed very like lighthearted. And I believe when Peacock released them, it was all like rapid fire back to back to back to back. So yeah, I wonder if threat. they were trying to like paint this image of Peacock being the place to go for a lot of more so humorous content. And I wonder if maybe that'll be a little bit more tempered or it might just be completely just goofy the entire time. Maybe he'll break out into a serious role and it'll be kind of like a little twisted version of Chuck. Shout out to the Chuck show. I mean, you know, Capture and Brave New World both were playing it straight in terms of essentially saying this is not going to be a a pick me up. Yeah, that's fair. But but yeah, across the board. Otherwise, I mean... I know I don't know what cap- I don't know what serious moments like the Saved by the Bell reboot is capable of, but it's clear that they're not going in that direction based on again thirty seconds. I mean, you're, you're right that these are very small snapshots of what the shows will ultimately be. Right, we're getting thirty seconds for most of these. So like, as we get closer to July, which is supposed to be when these come out, like we'll probably get more of a sense of maybe they'll have more originals besides these. Or maybe we'll get a deeper sense of what these shows actually are going to be in terms of longer trailers. Because even like even the Saved by the Bell and Punky Brewster trailers where we have these established characters, there wasn't much like I, we can pick up from context clues basically that Mario Lopez's character is now the gym teacher. Punky Brewster, I have no connection to that show, so I don't really know. But like we don't even know what that show is besides she's Punky Brewster and she's still alive. So, so she's like, a it's, mom it's, and she's raising kids now yeah. is what 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 I got from that. It's basically I feel like they're going to do a Fuller House deal where Punky Brewster as the family sitcom is going to be mirrored in this new reboot except now Punky Brewster is the parent. Okay, so kind of, also kind of like a Girl Meets World situation. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't watch Girl Meets World and I love Boy Meets World. So like I I don't I didn't watch Fuller House like I don't know about that whole concept. Like I I there hasn't been Girl Meets World should have been the one that appealed to me, but it was also like by the time it happened, I was grown up and not willing to watch kids shows anymore. So like, yeah, I don't know. Fuller House didn't appeal to me. I can't imagine a show like that coming back like that and saying, okay, we've done this generational flip and now you're going to watch it again because you love these old characters and now they're parents. It's really jarring because they, I mean, as the original shows did, they spend a lot of time with the new kids and a lot of the people watching these shows are, like when I was watching the original, say, Full House, and I didn't really watch Punky Brewster, but Full House and Boy Meets World, I connected with the kids. And right. my parents, like, they kind of watched it with me. I think they watched Full House more so as a little bit more adult-oriented, but Boy Meets World was almost 100% about the kids. And as an adult, like, I have the nostalgia for those characters, and exactly. I don't think young kids are going to have that same faithful following for the show, so, like, they're not really watching it, and as an adult, I don't care about the new kids. Like, I, I remember watching Fuller House, I would actually get a little bit frustrated when the scenes and the storylines were about the children, because I'm like, I don't care about these characters. Like, I understand they're DJ Tanner's kids, but I could care less. I want to see what's going on with these characters that I grew up with. I don't care about their children. You know what I well, mean? It's not, it, and it's not just the care. I mean, the characters are a big part of it, but it's also the fact that like 
you know, I love Boy Meets World. It's one of my favorite shows. But I feel like if I went back to watch Boy Meets World now, first of all, like you said, they wouldn't focus on Corey or Topanga or Sean or Eric or any of them. They'd focus on the kids more, which I understand why they would do that. So, like, I'm not super upset about it. But the other thing about it is that the humor, the brand of humor has changed. Like, right now, I can go back and watch an episode of Boy Meets World where Corey is a kid who's now much younger than I am. And I watch it and things happen and I still laugh. And, it, like, I, th- I still love what's happening like i had a younger sister and by the time i was in like high school and early college she was watching like iCarly and shows on nickelodeon that when i was her age i'm sure i would have watched but watching them now it's like the kids humor is cringy so like shows that come back and shows like fuller house that do reboots have a very tough job to appeal to multiple generations who have multiple brands of humor like there are certain shows that age well and there are certain shows that really don't and like there are shows that my parents like that i would probably hate because the brand of humor is totally different so it's just like i i I think with shows like to bring it back to like say by the bell and and punky brewster like i get i get wanting to invest in that ip because you know it's a potentially successful ip but like it's also a hugely problematic endeavor sometimes to try and span that gap and get both new people interested and keep old people interested I don't mean old people like old people. I mean like older fans of the show. Like it's just, ah, I don't know. It's it's tough. I wouldn't want to have the job to write it, I guess it, it is what I'm saying. And then they wrote it and it's happening. So, you know, good for them. But I think that's why we're responding to it in the way that we are. Because it's almost, a lot of it is just, you know, yeah, you see characters that you know. But like, even if I was a Saved by the Bell fan, I probably would have watched that and been like, what do you, what are we doing here? What, what, what is this show going to be? Like, I, yeah, I want these characters back and I'll be glad to get them back. But like, A, it's not going to be about them probably. And B, if it is, it's unlikely to capture the same magic that, that it had. So anyway, and I'll be interested to see if we can even watch these because the membership and pricing structure of Peacock is still a little cloudy to me. They have a free tier where you will get access to, they say, thousands of hours of content. But they also have a $4.99 tier where you get access to 10,000 plus hours of content. And I don't understand where these original shows will fall. And honestly... Behind like, the paywall, for sure. None of these are really compelling enough to get me to fork over another $4.99 to watch them. They just, they're they not. I think there's going to be very little. I think even... I mean, if you're Peacock, your selling point right now is not the originals. It is Friends. It is Seinfeld. It is The Office. It's the shows that you have dedicated fan bases already. People will sign up for the $5 a month just for The Office, I guarantee you. But that so, kills me because I don't understand why we need so many different streaming service outliers. I don't get it. I can't answer that for you, but I, I know that that shows like The Office and Friends and, and Seinfeld are going to wind up behind the paywall. And I think all these originals will too. So I don't know what's going to be left in front of the paywall. <laughs> uh, it, it's a fair question. Like you said, there's a lot that we still don't know yet. Like, I don't I would have rather, plans to get it. I would rather they have jacked up their prices to Netflix, you know? like gotten higher royalties from netflix and hulu i'd pay a little bit more but even the fact that right now when i boot up my roku i have to decide between five different streaming services it's just overwhelming sometimes i don't like it i don't need more i need less it's approaching the tipping point of being onerous 
for sure. And it, and it's it, and almost it's gonna keep to going that way. Being on cable, like now I have to be like, oh, what streaming service do I want to check first? And it's just I, annoying. Don't like. I think we've talked about it before on this show. How eventually it's we're gonna come full circle, and we're gonna be back towards like you said. It's gonna be a very cable-like situation where instead of switching channels. You're switching streaming services and like, what is the difference between those two things? If anything, switching channels is easier. So it's, you know, it's definitely an interesting thought. So, so, so we'll see what happens with Peacock. As I said, July 2020 is supposed to be the rollout for a lot of these, but right now it seems like people are taking that with a grain of salt because, you know, Rona, Rona. who knows what could happen and, and you know, that that's in what, two, two and a half months or something like that. So there's a lot that could change, but, um, be on the lookout. We'll, we'll, we'll probably talk more about those, you know, within the next few weeks as, as we learn more about them and we learn more about Peacock's rollout plan. But for now, Nerd Bomber has a game for us. I do. Uh, do we want to get into the What Are You Up To Wednesday or do we want to kind of skirt by that this week? Oh my goodness. I completely forgot. Let's, let's do... Boy, we really talked for a while about Peacock there, didn't we? Let's do a quick round of updates. Why don't we? Keep Keeping it brief. Uh, I will start and I will just say Dishonored 2 still good still hard somewhat frustrating uh it turns out you can kill people if you knock them unconscious and they fall into a puddle they drown immediately and i learned that that's crazy Uh, so that was fun yeah playing through dishonored 2 after that i'm probably going to move to doom and i think i'll probably finish dishonored 2 later this week or this weekend so rolling right along here in quarantine nerd bomber I picked up Detroit Become Human, which has been a really interesting game. Uh, super kind of stressful, actually, because it's basically a, a movie, an interactive movie. I would more so describe it as. I mean, there, there's like investigative stuff that you have to do, um, but there's a lot of quick time events and that stresses me out. But it's basically uh, a story about androids in the future and they start to kind of like gain a conscious, con- consci- conscience, conscience, consciousness yes they become sentient yes they start to become sentient and you basically there's three main characters and they kind of have interweaving storylines so you play through i think there's like 20 chapters in the game and one chapter you'll be one character the other you'll be another and so on and so forth and it's a very emotionally invoking game i would say i care about two of the character storylines the one i don't really care that much about i don't really like the character i think he's kind of a douche a little bit but there's a detective and uh a caretaker android that I'm super invested in and very good motion capture acting and voice acting. It's basically, like I said, it's almost movie like quality of a game, very engaging story. The thing that is a little creepy is that there is a android at the main menu who talks to you and like, will ask you to take surveys as you like finish the game or start a new session. And at one point she asks you if you're friends and I was like, no, I've only spent maybe 30 seconds with you. I like these other androids. And then she got like actively depressed on my main menu screen and it made me a little uncomfortable. But it's a very it's a very thought provoking game. I think it'll kind of if you play it, it's compelling along the lines of Brave New World, where it just makes you think a lot about what it means to be sentient. And it's interesting. Very interesting. Definitely recommend. I think it was free a while back with PS Plus. Now, this is. If, refresh my memory because i think we might have talked about this many many podcasts ago <laughs> like it was an e3 thing a while ago is this quantum break style like decision-based storyline kind of situation or is it less so is it more linear 
Uh, it's very decision-based. Basically, every dialogue option and action option has branching storylines. They even at the end of each chapter, they show like a, a big map of all of the scenarios that could have happened and you unlock the ones obviously that you did. But oh, the, cool. there are a lot of branching options. You can see like the world stats. I was actually very disappointed because there's one chapter where you have an option to pet the dog. And I think it was like less than half the, pe- the people opted to pet the dog. And I was like, what? what is wrong with the world? Why would you not always pet, the, pet dog? the dog? You always pet the dog. And it, it's very interesting. Like I would say it's a lot less action than quantum break for sure. It's almost more so like a very, very high production telltale sort of game. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. It, it's a really good story though. If you are invested in the story and you don't want to have something with a lot of super action um, and you don't mind the quick time events, definitely recommend. Well, there you have it. Tactic. So I had an interesting week. I basically floated around, watched Nerd Bomber do her thing, and didn't really do much of anything. And you know what? You played a lot of Animal Crossing. But nothing new. And you know what, guys? <laughs> there's there's nothing wrong with no shame doing doing nothing new in a, in another week. It's it's fine. You could float in a week. You're allowed to float. So just enjoy yourselves. Take it easy and ha- have good weeks. Yeah, I mean, I didn't do anything new either. I just played Dishonored too. I just felt like saying I was still playing it. But yeah, so similar boat. So there you have it, folks. Do you, you know? If, if, if it's nothing new, it's still great. Just keep on keeping on. Nerd Bomber, quiz time. Now it is quiz time, I think. Okay, so I've got some really fantastic 80s movie trivia for you guys. Uh, this one is all going to be numbers-based, Price is Right style, where if you go over, you bust. Um, so I'll just jump right into it and start with the first question. How many Police Academy movies were released in the 80s? Okay. Um, police Academy. This is not Police Squad. That's a different thing. Uh, I'm, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I don't know at all. Seven. All right, Tactic, what do you got for That's us? That's a really good answer because I actually thought it was eight. Okay. So you actually both busted here. The correct answer was six movies. And oh, again... God. This was a franchise starring the likes of Steve Gutenberg and Kim Cattrall. But yeah, I mean, I think there were more movies in the franchise overall, but in the 80s specifically, there were only six of them. I was right there. Dang it. No points for either of you, but question two. So far, so good. I watched all of those so many times on comedy. I haven't seen a single one, so I don't don't feel that bad about it. Okay, so E.T. was the top grossing film in the 1980s. How much money did it make? And Tectic, we'll start you off here. I am going to say fifty million. Oh, hey, Alika, way more think? than that. Way more than that. I'm gonna be safe and say a hundred million. All right, so you get that point to legal. It made four hundred and thirty five million dollars. The number two top grossing movie was actually Star Wars Return of the Jedi with three hundred and nine million. Okay. So the third question here. <laughs> I have no concept of money. <laughs> it, it's inflation. a lot of money. Yeah. So Illegal is in the lead here as we go into question number three. Ghostbusters was released in 1984. What was the total runtime of that film in minutes? Okay. Uh, boy, it, you know, 109 minutes. All right, Tactic, what do you think? 110 minutes. Come on. <laughs> Okay, so you guys are super close, but you actually both busted. It was 105 minutes of time. So That's the second time now. I've come really close, and then Tectic tries to one-up me to be cute, and we both lose anyways. It's like it's very impressive how close you're getting with these answers. Crap on a stick. 
All right, so I'm still winning. Illegal. Yep, you're still winning by one point. It's anybody's game really at this point. The next question is the Land Before Time's first movie launched in 1988. How many movies are now in the franchise? And I'm not just talking the 80s, like completely sure. total. How many movies are now in the Land Before Time franchise? Luckily, Tectic goes first this time. You can't do his little trick again. I'm Don't going, even try it, buddy. I'm going to say eight. Kaylee, what do you okay. think? It's more than that. Uh, I don't want to go nine because I don't want to be that guy. I'm going to go 10. All right. So Illegal takes this one. There are actually 14 movies Holy in the franchise. Cow. The last one was actually released very recently in 2016. And the OG film is now on Netflix. What was it called? Streaming. Little Foot? Her foot got Little bigger? Little Foot, y'all. I have no idea, man. There are so many movies. I lost track after like the second one. I don't know how many. We, we had a fair few, but we definitely didn't have 14 of them. Okay. So Illegal is now winning by two points, and I have four questions left. So Top Gun was released in 1986. How many theaters did it open in initially? Oh, gosh. See, like, Tactic, you said you don't have a cent of money. I don't have a cent of how many movie theaters there are like in the world. Uh, 5,000. All right, Ali- or Tactic, sorry. What do you think? 7,000. Okay, so you guys both wildly overestimated and busted. Dang it. It was... Opened in 1,028 movie theaters initially. That feels low. What is your definition of initially? Uh, On its release date, how many movies it opened in. I I don't feel bad about that because like you said, I I don't have a sense of how many, I don't even know how many movie theaters are in this country. There might not even be 5,000 total. When I was constructing this quiz, I tried to have a bunch of random numbers. So it was a little fair for everybody and just kind of like anybody's game. I feel good about that. So, Illegal, you're winning by two points. And the next question is about The Last Starfighter, which released in 1984. It was one of the earliest films to make use of CGI. In the 300 scenes that use CGI, each frame contained on average how many polygons? And I'm going to give you guys a hint. It's a lot. Tactic. You're first. 500,000 polygons. She said a lot, man. It's in the millions. One million. Okay, I might have oversold you guys. It's 250,000, so you both <laughs> lost it again, and I'm doing a very bad job hosting this, but yeah, 250,000 polygons in each of those CGI scenes. I only busted by about 100%. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were closer, so... Boy, this is a sad state of affairs. Honestly, me at two points, how many questions have we had? We've had like eight questions. So. Uh, six I'm- questions, so we have two more left. I got to clean this up. So you can tie. You can tie and we'll go to do tiebreaker. The next question is about Indiana Jones, which dropped okay. in 1981. Jones. In what year was Raiders of the Lost Ark set? Oh, gosh. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, well, I'll say right away. I should know this. Uh, I love this movie so much. I'm going to get it wildly wrong, though. I'm going to say... <sighs> As a hint to both I, of you. I, no, don't oh, give God. No okay, hint? Go, no hint, no hint. Okay. I'm going to say 1932. No, no, 1936. Okay, Tactic, what do you got? I'm going to say, it feels busty, so I'm going to say 1929. So it wasn't busty. In fact, it was perfect. It was right on the money. It was in 1936, which tracks Oof. because there were Nazis in the movie. So yeah, it tracks. So, Oligo has basically won it, but we have one final question to round it out. Just How do you correct and hit it on the head? You're for, looking for it gl- up. For glory, Tectic. Get this last one right. Come on, man. For all of us. 
So Jack Nicholson made his debut as the Joker in 1989's Batman. He held, as of 2003, so this might be outdated now, the single movie record for salary for this role. Around how much did he take home? Uh, Money questions. <laughs> Again, we're, we're dealing in things that Tactic has apparently no knowledge of. Money. I'm going to say he took home $10 million. Man, that's that was actually my exact guess. So I think you're probably pretty close. I'm going to say I'm going to go lower and I'm going to say $6 million. Okay, so Tactic gets a point. So he hasn't been totally blown out of this quiz, though he still does lose by three to one. Jack Nicholson actually took home $60 million for this role. And I think it also included stuff like uh, I think he got royalties after the movie came out. So, yeah, he made a ton of money and was at that top seat of salary for a single role. Wow. There's Johnny. Good for you, Jack. You've done it. (laughs) There's Johnny. (laughs) Uh, well, that was great. Uh, I managed to win, which is, which is pretty rare around here, but I like movies. So it it tracks. We're going to go learn things about money and about how many movie theaters there are in the U S but, uh, until then, until next week, rather, uh, we thank you all for listening. Uh, we hope you had a good time with us. We had a great time with you again. Feel free to hit us up on the social medias at OW legal 86 at OW tactic at OW nerd bomber, or leave us a review on Apple podcasts. We would love to hear from you there too. And uh, yeah, we'll talk at you guys next week. See you later.